Luke chapter 12. I want to try to tie this in. Uh, The reason I picked this passage is we were in London at breakfast talking about India, talking about the trip, and I think it was Krista that mentioned the verse, to whom much is given, much will be required. That really stuck with me. And so what I want to do with the time that I have remaining is I I want to look at that passage with you. So Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35 is where we're going to be. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling us this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom the master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour He does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, They will demand the more. Father, we ask for your help this morning as we think about this passage, Lord, and just how it relates to us who've been given much. Father, I pray that you'd shake us, God. I pray that you would shake us loose from this comfortable, apathetic type of Christianity, Father, and and make us Men and women of action. Men and women of readiness. God, we want to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Jason Dirks, and I have a readiness problem. Uh, Some would call it a disorder. Some would call it a mental illness. My wife simply says it's very annoying. Uh, But I have a readiness problem. I, I have a readiness problem. And, and what my readiness problem is that during times of great stress and fatigue, my mind and body cannot shut down a sense of urgency. And so how that translates is that when I'm very tired, uh, when I'm very stressed, uh, when I go to bed, I continually all night long have this feeling that something must be done, okay? Okay. Uh, this happened to me all in India. It happened to me in London. In London, I was in the middle of the night standing up, giving my, you know, greetings from Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, you know, in the name of the Lord, it's good to be with you in India, you know. 
until I finally realized that it's dark and uh, I'm not in anywhere but a motel. And uh, but I, I just I have that. I have this this problem that I can't shut down. Last night. Uh, I went to bed about 8.45. I was reading to my girls about 8.20. By the way, Avery, I do not remember anything we read. I can't remember anything in the story. Uh, we need to read that again because uh, I was just trying to focus on getting the words out. Uh, I was so tired. And so I went to bed about 8.45. Um, I, 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 good news is I got up at 3.30 and was at the church by 4.15. So that that's good. I'm just not quite on the right schedule. But uh, at some period after 8.45, I found myself in a frenzy, dressing, getting my church clothes on, coming down the stairs. Fortunately, fortunately, about halfway down the stairs, I begin to kind of kick in what's going on. What's go- I hear my girls and my wife laughing and talking in the living room. Okay, I'm, I'm processing. I stop midway down the stairs. I'm trying to think, okay, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to what? You know, what am I doing? You know, and, and then pretty soon it kind of comes together to me that, okay, they're still up. It's, it's not, you know, it's still night, you know, and, and, but still I have this urgency. I mean, I had to fight. The only thing that kept me from walking in and making sure, hey, is everything okay? Do I need to be, you know, I can't figure out what am I supposed to be doing was I knew that they would mock me. And, and really, that's the only reason I knew that they would laugh and cackle and, I Dad, you know, that's the only thing that stopped me. I went back upstairs. I took my church clothes back up, hung them back up, got in bed. Then my next memory, again, sometime during the night, I don't remember what happened here, but I remember my next memory was my wife irritatedly talking to me saying, you have your church clothes on, you have your shoes on, and you're in bed. Get out of here. You know, so evidently it happened again, you know. I mean, so I had gotten up, you know, and I'm, 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 I have this sense of urgency. Okay, So I got a problem. I know I have a problem. I don't know what to do about it, um, but I, I do. I understand that, okay? Uh, but what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about people who have an urgency problem, but their problem is not my problem so much. It's, it's actually the opposite. In our passage this morning, Jesus is confronting people who never feel an urgency. Does that make sense? In other words, they come and they open up their Bibles and they come to prayer time and they come, they're, they're living their Christian life and they never feel an urgency to act. And so Jesus gives a series of parables. Kind of almost, some of them are so short, they're really just images. They're really just metaphors, okay? To press us about this business of our master that it be taken care of before he comes. Now, what do I mean by when he comes? Well, again, verse 40, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming, okay? So kind of the theme behind this is that Christ is coming. Jesus has already come the first time, okay? Put on human flesh, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, born without the stain of original sin. He's the second Adam, okay? He lives a sinless, righteous life, perfectly pleasing to the Father. He begins his public ministry by saying, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here, He's like, guys, it's here. The kingdom of God is here. The rule of God and the hearts of men is here. And many of you are in that kingdom. And he says, the kingdom is coming. Man, it's coming like a freight train. Nothing can stop it. It is here now. It is coming. And one day Christ will come again. He will split those skies with the armies of heaven, with a sword coming out of his mouth on a white horse, ready to slay the, the nations and establish the new heavens and the new earth without sin will there be fullness of joy and pleasures forever. Okay, But until he comes, those who are in the kingdom have kingdom business. Okay, 
I know you got your business. I've got my business. We got lawns to mow and yards to rake and, and, and work to do and bills to pay. And I know we've got all that. But, but uh, layered completely highly above that is this business of the kingdom. And so Jesus tells these parables. And by the way, there's this common theme through the gospels, parable of the talents, parable of the meanest, parable of the ten virgins, uh, over and over and over again. I don't know how many times. I, I, that, that'd be a good thing to do is count. How many times does, does this occur? These same themed parables, basically where the master leaves, whether for a wedding, for business, for a long trip, whatever, master leaves, he leaves his business entrusted to his servants, and then they are either, either lazy or they're vigilant. He returns, and there's an accounting. Okay? That same theme probably happens 30 times in the Scriptures. Okay? Now, whenever Jesus says something in that many variations, and that, but it's really the same point, you've got to know this is, this is incredibly important. All right? And so, so the passage before us today, what we have, beginning in verse 35, Okay, we have, we have this, the, the, the servants who are waiting for their master to come home for a wedding feast. So their master went to a wedding. Okay, weddings in, the, in, in Jesus' day could be a day, two days, three days, four days. It could be a long week event, depending on how wealthy the people were. So they don't know when he's coming back. And, and their job is, you've got to stay awake so that when you hear the master pull into the driveway, you're there with the lamps, open the door, greeting your master, bringing him in, waiting on your master. Okay, so, so the theme is, will my servants be awake? Will they be awake? Will they have their lamps burning? Will they be ready for the king? The second one is in verse 39, uh, chapter 12, verse 39. Uh, it's of the thief, but know this, the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming. He would not have left his house to be broken into. Again, common theme occurs in 2 Peter, Jesus over in Matthew. I mean, it's, it's common throughout the Gospels. There's a theme of, of the thief. Now, what's the point of the thief? Well, the point of the thief is you don't know when that guy's coming, okay? And, and so, so, like many of you, I bet, all of us probably, we lock our doors every night. You know, you probably do that every night, right? You, you lock your doors every night. You, you don't wait for the little thing in the mail to come to say, hey, this is your neighborhood thief. Just want to let you know I'll be there next Tuesday, uh, coming about 2.30 in the morning, you know, so hey, make sure you're ready, okay? We know that's not the case, right? The thief does not advertise when he's coming, and so if you want to be protected, what do you got to do? You got to lock every night, right? I mean, we all, that, that's, not, that's a no-brainer, right? Every night, you know? I locked my doors last night before I went to bed at 8.45. Why did I lock them last night? Because I, it's not because I thought there was a thief coming. I just, I know that it's a good practice to be ready for that deal, right? And so we're, we're prepared, okay? And so Jesus is saying, you need to be prepared. You don't know when I'm coming. You don't know when you're going to be held accountable for your action or your inaction according to the kingdom of God, okay? So the next one, verse 41, we kind of a little break here. Peter's asked the Lord a question. Hey, are you just talking to us, apostles, or are you talking to everybody, okay? And Jesus really doesn't answer that directly. He answered that by saying, hey, you got this kind of servant, you got this kind of servant, okay? And, and so he, 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 he describes a servant, who is in charge of other servants. Basically, he's in charge of feeding and taking care of other servants. And, and, and so you have a, a guy who's faithful in that, and, and because he's faithful in that, then, then he's rewarded. You got a guy who's not faithful in that. Because he's not faithful in that, he's cut to pieces, okay? And, and so, and the reason he's not faithful, this is a good point, verse 45, says, but that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servant, and eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour when he does not know. I want to pause right here. Notice, he will come when he does not expect him. He will come. 
Okay, so in other words, if a guy says in his mind, there's nothing urgent today, okay? So a guy comes to church, he's a Christian, but he comes and he says, I don't need to do anything. I heard the word of God. I went to Sunday school. I heard the word of God. I prayed. I heard the word of God. I, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to respond. I don't need to serve. I don't need to disciple. I don't need to give. I, I don't need to do anything right now. Okay, Here's, here's what Jesus very emphatically says. If that is your heart and your attitude, you will be caught in that. Now, think about that. He will come on a day when he does not expect him. How do you know he will come? Why isn't it he might come? Right? Why, it's a gamble, isn't it? It's a percentage thing, right? Many of you, you heathens who grew up heathens, right? Your parents went away on a little weekend trip and you threw a party, right? And what were you doing? You were gambling that they wouldn't come back when you had the party, right? And for probably, if we just had a little poll here, most of you would be like, yeah, I got away with it, you know? They didn't, you know? They said they'd come back Sunday and they came back Sunday, you know? Had it all cleaned up. I got away with it, right? There's probably one of you in here would be like, Dude, they had a flat tire. They came back. I got busted. I mean, walked in, right? I'm doing, you know, the Tom Cruise sliding across the floor. Dad uh, opens the door. You know, I mean, bam, I got busted, all right? So, but, but it's a percentage game, right? It's, it's pro- probably I'll be okay. He doesn't say that. This is a significant point. I, I, can you tell that, that I, I think this is important? Verse 46, the master of that servant will come, will He will come on a day when he does not expect. Here's Jesus' point with that. We're not dealing with your folks. We're dealing with King Jesus. You can't pull a fast one. If you're not responding in obedience to the word of God, you will be caught in that. And you will be accountable. That's what he's saying. You will be. It's not a might. It's not a maybe you will face accountability for the fact that you're entrusted with something and for whatever reason, you didn't feel it was urgent enough to obey. Then, Jesus gives several examples of how a person will be held accountable for the amount of blessing, revelation, light, giftedness that they've been given. So, that's kind of an overview of that passage, all right? Now, I want to go back and just point out a couple of things. Uh, we don't have time for much, but verse 42 and 43, I want to point out, the, look, look at this particular servant. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. It's really interesting to me that the, the picture there is of a servant who is, who is charged, he's commissioned, he's called, he's entrusted with caring for his fellow servants. Isn't that the situation there? He's caring for his fellow servants. And, and, and what I believe Jesus is getting at here, when, when Peter asked him, Lord, is it just for us, is it for everybody? I think what he's getting at is, look, we're responsible for ministry to one another. We're responsible for ministry to others, okay? And we know that from the rest of the Bible, right? We're to take care of each other spiritually. What did Jesus say to Peter three times before he ascended to heaven? Peter, feed my sheep. Peter's like, well, what about John? What about this? What about Peter, feed my sheep. What about this? What about... Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed... Three times. Feed my sheep, Peter. Take care of the people that I've entrusted to you. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2, it talks about shepherds. And it says in... Uh, in uh, verse 2, it says, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? 
Okay, Hebrews chapter three. We went through it uh, not too long ago in in our in our our trek through the the book of Hebrews. We got the, all these one another's in Hebrews, but exhort one another. Or take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. We're supposed to look after each other. We're supposed to speak God's truth into each other's lives. We are to take care, feed one another spiritually. We're to take care of one another spirit or, or physically. James chapter one. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word, uh, not, in, not in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We're responsible to care for each other spiritually, to care for each other physically, to care for each other emotionally. Think about all the one another's in the Bible. You know, bear with one another, be patient with one another, love one another, give one another, encourage one another, you know, the faint hearted, help the weak. I mean, all those passages in the Bible tell us that we have a responsibility to one another. And so in this parable, it's the picture of Jesus going away and saying, all right, you take care of each other. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to be in a small group. Maybe it's not our small group tonight, but it ought to be some small group. You ought to have some small group of believers that you're caring for, you're ministering to, you're connecting in your life. You can't say, not me. It's not me. It's not my deal. It is your deal. You're responsible for that. Notice in verse 45, again, what's the hard attitude that leads to to neglect? But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to, what's he do? He mistreats the people. He eats and drinks. He, he basically caters to himself and he neglects ministry to other people. And the idea there is simply this. There's no urgency. Isn't that what led to that? It says, he says to himself, he doesn't say this out loud. It's not things we say out loud, but it's stuff we say in our heart. That's no big deal. It's fine. There's no work to be done. Not, not at this moment anyway. I don't need to give. I don't need to write a check. I don't need to support church. I don't need to. My neighbor doesn't need to hear the gospel. My family member doesn't need to hear God's truth. I don't have a friend at church who needs prayed for or courage. No ministry to be. There's nothing pressing right now. So for some people, it's I've got time later. Nothing needs to be done now. Honestly, though, I think for some people it's, I don't need to do anything ever. That's a scary version of Christianity. It's a version that says, I'm going to be joined to Jesus Christ. I'm going to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. I'm going to be redeemed by His blood. And, but I'm not responsible to do anything. We're sitting by Jane from Ireland on one of the flights and uh, struck up a conversation, begin to share the gospel with Jane, uh, find out Jane's a reporter, a writer, you know. Uh, so she starts turning the tables and starts, you know, questioning us, you know. And, and kind of the heart of Jane's questions were basically centered around, 
why are you doing this? She asks you, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, all this. Why are you doing this? And, and we tell her why we're doing it. And then she's like, well, you know, I did a report on charitable organizations in Ireland. And what I found out was that in some of them, 90% of the money never actually makes it to the charity. You know, so basically what she's accusing us of, you know, is, you know, we're doing this for us, you know. And, and so we tell her, hey, 100% of the money is going to India. You know, we're here on our own dime. You know, this is, you know, we're not, you know, she, but, but her question is, well, why you? What are you getting out of this? You know, and uh, if I could go back, I'd say, well, Jane, what we're getting is 10 days of diarrhea and uh, the worst night of her life on a train. That's what we're getting out of this, Jane. But, you know, but, but the harder question is, why you? You know, why, why, why you? And you see, that, that's a fundamentally wrong question. The right question is, why not you? Isn't that the right question? Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many verses are just like that in the Bible? Your life is not your own. You're joined to Christ. He's redeemed you. He's saved you. You're not your own anymore. Okay, so, so it's not why me. It's, it's why not me? I mean, Make a meal for your small group. Care for people. Share the gospel with Uncle Tom. Give away your money to the work of the church. How can it not be you if you're joined to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? So go back to the beginning. Um, I, here, here's, here's, I think, kind of a, a central kind of thought to hold on to. Verse 35, stay dressed for action. That's what, that's what the, NIV, or the uh, ESV says. I think you've got another translation. It may say, gird up your loins. It's actually a more literal translation. Um, here, here's the picture. The picture is of someone wearing a long robe, okay? If you're wearing a long robe and you're like, all right, foot race time, what are you going to do? If you're wearing a long robe, foot race time, all right, guys, we're going to play flag football. All right, guys, we're going to play soccer. All right, guys, we're going to ride our bikes. All right, guys, hey, there's an emergency. And when you get on the roof, what do you, in any of those situations, if you're wearing a long robe, what you're going to do in Jesus' day is you're going to start pulling up that robe, start tucking it into your belt, and you're going to gird up your loins. That's what it means, gird up your loins. In other words, you're going to get ready to act. Okay, so the, this passage begins by saying, man, get ready to act. Get ready. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're a member of the kingdom of God and the kingdom's coming back and God's entrusted you with the kingdom, then today, Lincoln Avenue, get ready to act, okay? Not get ready to hear, not get ready to put in my time at church and then go do what I want to do. No, 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 no. Get ready to act, okay? Get ready to disciple someone. Get ready to love on some kids on Wednesday night. Get ready to encourage the saints. Get ready to pull somebody out of sin. Get ready to act, and then, man, this blows me away. For those that do, did, did, man, did you, did you pay attention to what happens at the wedding feast parable, that very first one? Okay, he says in verse 37, he says, Blessed are those servants whom the master will find awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. That had to blow people's minds. What master does that? What master does that, okay? Who does that? Who who, what master, you know, as his servants are found faithful, says, guys, sit down, sit down now. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to dump riches on you. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take care of you. That, that's our God, my friends. That, that's the God who stepped out of the heavens, let go of the privileges of his divinity, be, 
became born as a man, humbled himself as a servant, became obedient to death to ransom you. And then in Ephesians 2 says he can't wait to establish the kingdom so that for all ages he can lavish his riches upon you. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's already done it. Why don't we believe that he'll do it again? Now, the passage ends, which is really the reason I wanted to preach this, but I've blown all my time. Um, the passage ends in verse 46 through 48 with, with basically this tier of accountability, okay? And basically it goes like this. The more you've been given, the more accountable you are, all right? So, so master's left. You're in charge, okay? You're in charge. You. You can't get out of that. The only way you get out of that is by saying, I'm not a believer. Okay, but if you're a believer, you're, you're in charge of the kingdom. You're, you're entrusted with the business of the master, okay? And the more opportunity, blessing, light, discipleship, money, freedom you have, the more you're going to be accountable with, for, the more it's expected of you. So, man, the thing that's driven in my heart right now is we have a lot, a lot. We have a lot of blessing. We have a lot of light. We have a lot of opportunity. We have a lot of discipleship. We have a lot of money. We have a lot of freedom. We have a lot. We have a lot. Don't test God with this, by the way. Here's the way our sinful minds work. Well, if I just stop coming to church, then I'll know less and less and be less accountable, right? I'll have less of a beating. (laughs) You really think you can play God that way, you know? God, I gave up all my opportunities. (laughs) Man, a healthy church. People in this church that are willing to disciple you. Bible studies, corporate worship without fear, Christian radio, theological books, resources. I paid for a kid's university out of the money I had in my billfold. A bunch of the guys on the trip. I mean, that, that's the disparaging, you know, that's, that's the difference. A lot of those places that would list needs, the team had enough money on them just to take care of it. We've been given much. Church, today, you got to know, you're, you're on the hook for that. You can't get off the hook for that. Why do you want to? <laughs> Why would we want to, really? I mean, if, if we believe what the Scripture just said, that Master's going to come in with great joy, set us down and serve us <laughs> for all eternity, what are you going to lose out on? What could you possibly lose out on? Nothing. It's all gain for you, really. It's all gain for me. Let's act. Let's be men and women who hear the word of God and who act. Father, I I pray, God, move us to action. God, help us to gird our loins, to prepare our hearts. God, to have yes hearts. God, I, I don't know what you're going to lead us to, Lord. I know it's different for every person in this room. God, for some, it's going to be to disciple a neighbor, to share the gospel, to give of resources. For some, it's going to be to start serving children, to start 
caring for the elder. Who knows, God, your kingdom is so big, so vast, so diverse, God. But I know, God, you're pressing on each of us. And God, we want to say yes. We trust you. you. You've given us everything we need. And Lord, we want to be we want to be found, God, doing the work of the Master when you come. In Jesus' name.